welcome to our latest episode of the Three Minute Therapy Podcast with me, Dr. Michael Edelstein, a clinical psychologist and practitioner of REBT, Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, and Kevin Benbow, a uh, counselor and, and therapist and uh, practitioner of Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, REBT. So why don't we start with the basics? What is REBT? And Kevin, would you like to start with that? Sure. Uh, rational emotive behavior therapy is uh, one of the cognitive behavior therapies. Uh, interestingly, uh, REBT uh, was the original cognitive behavior therapy. And then I guess for uh, uh, branding, uh, CBT kind of uh, took the mainstream. And, uh, but basically the, the, the big idea in rational emotive behavior therapy is that our beliefs, namely our irrational beliefs, tend to cause us uh, unhealthy negative emotions. Uh, for example, if I'm in a traffic jam and believe the traffic jam should not exist or I should not be inconvenienced, I'm more than likely going to make myself angry by it. So events don't in and of themselves have the power to disturb us emotionally. We actually do it to ourselves. And that's uh, what I find to be important and even uh, liberating about our EBT is it puts uh, our ability, puts the keys to our mental health in our own hands. That's it in a nutshell. Okay, very good. Uh, I just have one uh, addition and that is, uh, you said, uh, Kevin, REBT is one of the cognitive behavior therapies. I would put it the other way. I would say one, uh, the cognitive behavior therapies uh, all come from REBT. So I'd put REBT as a superheading and uh, then all these other cognitive behavior therapies below it. Uh, so they're all offshoots of REBT. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. REBT is the original cognitive behavior therapy. No question about that. Okay. Um, so today we're discussing uh, seven habits of highly effective people, a very popular book by Stephen Covey that everyone seems to love, got high uh, reviews and recommendations, but we have uh, some problems with it. I was uh, suggesting a title for this podcast, uh, Stephen Covey, The Good, The Bad, and Ugly, but uh, that was vetoed. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so I think there are some good things in it and some bad things in it and some very bad things in it. So uh, his first habit he calls Be Proactive. And that's about taking responsibility for one's reactions. And actually that was Kevin, that was what Kevin was just talking about. You are responsible for your reactions. Now, if you take responsibility, if you don't take responsibility for that, I guess Stephen Covey is saying you're not proactive. Although I think of proactive is um, being very, very active in your life rather than passive or um, just middle, mediocre in terms of how active you are 
in making changes in your life and moving ahead of, on your goals. Uh, is that your impression, Kevin, or what do you think of be proactive? Well, I think it's, uh, I, I agree, it's important to be proactive in life. If I uh, wait, for example, to, uh, for things to come to me, they're probably not going to come to me. So uh, I've been in business and not just mental health, but other business endeavors for uh, most of my adult life. And I found, I found that uh, the more I take the lead in making things happen, the more things happen. Uh, if I uh, sit back and wait for things to happen, they're probably not going to happen. Yes, yes. So uh, I think we can generally um, agree with that, to be proactive, be an active participant in your life. Uh, the second one is begin with the end in mind. Now, uh, I would put it a little differently. I don't have an argument with the uh, with the idea, but uh, I do have some arguments with how he phrases things. And I think it would be clearer to say, start with an objective and then work toward achieving that objective. I think begin with the end of mind is a little more abstract. Um, so, but that's basically what he means, have an objective, and figure out the best means toward that objective and work toward that. Kevin, did you have a thoughts about that? Yeah, I, uh, I, one, thing, one thing about beginning with the end in mind, if you've ever uh, worked a uh, maze in the uh, newspaper that's uh, poorly constructed, uh, it's quite often it's uh, easy to start it from the, from the end of it and to go backward. Uh, I find this can be true with uh, some problems that uh, my clients have, especially clients who are maybe don't have a firm, uh, firm idea of what they'd like to get out of therapy. Uh, sometimes uh, some solution-focused questions can be helpful here. We can, uh, I'll ask something like, uh, uh, let's imagine today's your last day of therapy and you've gotten everything out of it that you've come to get. Uh, what, uh, what would be different in your life? Sometimes. Not always, but sometimes people are able to verbalize exactly what it is they'd like to see, and that can kind of help us set objectives. And so that's uh, that's uh, so technically, other than what you're talking about with the semantics of it, I don't really have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. Mm -hmm. uh, habit number three is put first things first. Um, I would put it a little differently again. Do what's most important and urgent first, and then rank order everything else you want to do in terms of uh, what's most important. Uh, one of the techniques I recommend to clients is list the things you'd like to do, and then put an A, the letter A, next to the most important, the letter C next to the least important, and then the letter B, what's ever left, somewhere in between, and start with the A's. So uh, I think that's along the lines of put first things first, but I think that's a, a clear way of doing it. There is, I see where there could be a variant on this, and this might be my, minor, uh, might just be a minor me picking at uh, little things here. But sometimes there are things that are not important, but man, they can become a pain in the ass if they don't get done, if we keep putting them off. For example, 
uh, to fight against procrastination, one important rule is to uh, work on when something comes up in your schedule that's irregular. Uh, for me, for example, that could be emptying my shredder and emptying my uh, trash. It's real easy to put that off because it might not be important in the moment. But if it continues to pile up, I might find myself buried in uh, the scraps of my shredder or in my overflowing garbage can. So sometimes it's important to uh, take those irregular things and just get them out of the way so things can go forward. Helps to fight against procrastination. Yes, yes. Do the minor things and get them out of the way. I like that way of phrasing it, Kevin. What comes to mind for me is getting gas for my car. <laughs> and uh, it's easy to say, well, I still have some gas, so there's no reason to get gas. But uh, eventually you might find yourself out of gas on the highway. So uh, those are some things that mm. seem not that important for the moment, but not a good idea to procrastinate on <laughs> because they tend to build up. It'll become important pretty soon if we don't get the gas. Uh, I do something similar with your uh, lists. Uh, I'll make a list of tasks, and sometimes there might be uh, five, six, seven things on the uh, list, and I'll number them. I'll, I'll number them one through seven, one through whatever, and just start going by the numbers. And then whatever I don't get to uh, just goes to the uh, list for the following day. Right, right, yes. Our next is think win-win. Now, when he's talking about win-win here, I think he's talking about in relationship to other people. So he seems to make a switch from uh, improving your life on your own first three habits, and then uh, relationships with others. And I think the next few relate to relationships with others. So I uh, think win-win means that if you want to get something done uh, and you're trying to work it out with another person and they have a different idea of what to get done, often the best way to come to a mutually agreeable solution is to think win-win, what works for me plus what works for you. Uh, so I think that's a very good idea if that's what he means. Sometimes compromise can be indicated. Sometimes uh, uh, both sides giving a little bit. I don't know if this win-win is always possible though, uh, especially if we're uh, talking about our uh, children. Uh, some children are uh, just a handful, and sometimes they're simply <laughs> they're simply going to lose. Or uh, sometimes in life uh, we're going to lose. So this is certainly nothing we can guarantee. Uh, this strikes me as aspirational in nature. This is something uh, to be striven for. But there's I don't think there's a solid way. We there's no formula we can guarantee that this is absolutely going to happen all the time. Yeah, and I agree with your exception with children. But aside from children, would you agree, Kevin, with adults that win-win uh, is generally what's going to work and uh, win-lose is not a very good idea? Yeah, I don't think win-lose is a good goal if, you, if we're talking about establishing uh, relationships and cooperation. But win-win, I think, is something to strive for. I just don't know if it's always possible. Yeah, yeah. Right. But uh, can you think of a relationship between adults where it's not possible? Well, 
if I'm uh, if I'm thinking about a, a car accident that I was in uh, back in 1992, I don't see how that could have come out as a win-win. Uh, I'm the one that won because uh, because the person rear-ended me, and uh, I was able to successfully sue her. I don't see that as a win-win situation. Uh, that's the one that comes to my mind right off the bat. When you spoke to her after the accident, um, did she agree she rear-ended you? Nope. She blamed me for rear-ending for rear-ending me. She uh, uh, she actually received a ticket for uh, careless driving right there at the scene, but she did not agree that she did anything wrong when. She admitted to the police officer that she was looking over her shoulder and didn't see me. Uh, she put me in a neck brace for about six weeks, and uh, yeah, that there was there was no uh, there was no middle ground there. And when I say sue her, let me back up a little bit. Florida was a no fault state, so I actually ended up uh, going after my own insurance company in that one because they refused to pay. So it's kind of a convoluted story, but yeah, right. she didn't yeah. win. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think applied to more intimate relationships and a stranger who rearranged you, uh, win-win is more workable. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I agree. Uh, habit number five is seek first to understand, then to be understood. And uh, I think that's very good. And in discussions with another person who you have a relationship with that you disagree on, it's important to understand what they mean. Uh, So what do you mean is a good question by the various terms you're using. And another good question is, how do you know? So uh, if someone says to me, um, I suggest you get the vaccine, then there are various vaccines and things like that. So I could ask them, what do they mean by the vaccine? And then how do you know that would be effective? In other words, what's the evidence? So um, I think that's part of understanding and being understood. I find that in a lot of disagreements, especially political disagreements between people, they they don't agree because they're using the same words to mean different things. A, a common example is capitalism. Some people mean one thing by capitalism, state capitalism, for example, other people mean other things by capitalism, laissez-faire capitalism. So unless you know specifically what you're talking about and you define what you mean and the, you ask the other person to define what they mean, then often uh, you'll be missing each other. Uh, intellectually in the discussion. I think this is really important to understand first, or at least uh, uh, be willing to seek uh, clarification. It's important that we just not go off with our suggestions before we fully understand. Uh, Quite often, uh, I know when I work with people in my personal relationships, I like to ask a question like, do I got that right? Or does that sound right to you? to make sure that I am being understood. And interestingly, when I do that, people will uh, gently correct me if I don't understand. And so it helps to uh, clarify things. Yeah, another good question along those lines, and I like those questions, Kevin, is uh, do you see 
Do you understand? Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And usually people will say yes, but then the key is to ask them, well, what's mm-hmm. your interpretation of what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And often you'll get some response that really isn't what you're saying, but they thought mm-hmm. they understood what you're saying. So just they saying yes uh, doesn't mean as much as if you ask them to repeat back what they think you said, and then you could um, uh, get more in line with them that way. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you're bringing something to mind there. I was doing the three-minute exercise with a client not too long ago, and we created her uh, effective new belief. She read it to herself, and I asked her uh, what her thoughts were, and and I was surprised because she says, it sounds like I'm making excuses for my behavior. And so uh, we clearly had a little bit more work to do there. Uh, uh. Mm-hmm. Next is, again, in business, I guess, he says synergize. And that's another example where he uses terms that I think are somewhat obtuse, and he could be clearer in naming these habits. So by synergize, he means uh, in, in, uh, in business, if you're on a team, then uh, combine the strengths of people in a team. So you could call it division of labor. So the entire team works in a maximally effective way. And that is one that, uh, that is one that I am not very good at. I have never been a good team player for my entire life. I'll just own that one. I was the kid. I was the kid that in school that got marked does not play well with others. And so uh, I, I haven't put my put in put my finger on that. If it's my temperament or my tendency to uh, be disagreeable, those who know me personally and seen that up close uh, will will say that. So uh, I'm going to have to defer. I have never been successful creating positive teamwork. Uh, I will say everything I do is individual. My guitar, I'm a solo musician. I like games like chess. I'm just learning how to play now. Like things where the objective is to vanquish my opponent. So I don't, I don't have anything else to say other than that, Mike. Actually, chess is not individual. Chess, uh, if you're going to have a game, you could do chess puzzles and things like that. But chess does require your cooperation and the cooperation of another person. So, uh, uh, so it starts with, um, do you want to play chess? And chess doesn't happen if the other person doesn't want to play chess. And if they say yes, then there's also, there's already mutual cooperation. Mm. And where do you want to play? When do you want to play? Do you want the white or the black pieces? Things like that. So I think there's a lot of competition in chess between the two players but a lot of cooperation also. Well, right. But, you know, that's kind of like if I want to get into a fight after school, we agree we agree where we're going to meet and uh, who's uh, and what the, what the terms are going to be. But ultimately, exactly. the goal is to win, right? right. I, I hear what you're saying, yeah. though. We do so that's the to... competition part. Mm-hmm. But where you're going to meet, when you're going to have the fight, mm-hmm. that's the cooperation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And without the cooperation... You wouldn't be able to compete, have mm-hmm. the competition, and without the comp and without uh, the competition, you could cooperate, but then the game isn't played. Mm-hmm. Um, next is uh, what is next? Are we up to seven? Um, yeah, sharpen the saw. 
And that's another great example where he uses these terms, maybe literary terms, but is this a literary piece <laughs> or is this a self-help piece? So sharp and the saw, I had no idea what, what he meant by that, but apparently he means, uh, um, he's talking about renewal, renew your resources, sleep well, eat well, exercise well, those kinds of things, keep your health up. That's sharpening the saw. I guess the saw is your body and your mind and keep that at, in top shape. Uh, do you think I have that right, Kevin? I, I think so. And then there's also the skills of what, we're, uh, what we do. Uh, I personally find it important to, uh, I'm, I'm, I always exceed my CEUs, my continuing education units every uh, licensure cycle, uh, just because I like to learn different things about the process of uh, counseling, therapy, that sort of thing. So I'm, uh, I'm continually trying to improve at what I do. Uh, and in psychotherapy, that can be no easy task sometimes, depending on the kinds of problems that we're facing. Right. And the C and the continuing education classes you take, most of mine do not seem terribly useful, except in terms of getting CE credits. It's useful in that way. Mm. This is, I, I'm, I've gotten pretty selective over the years about where I uh, get them from. But yeah, I agree. A lot of them are just uh, read this and fill in the test and that's that. I've done those and I still do those if I find if I'm interested in the material. But. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so those are the seven habits. I had some overall problems with it. Uh, any that you wanted to mention? No, not uh, not really. It seems pretty uh, straightforward to me. Yeah, one of the problems is it's a little too straightforward because he doesn't start or think about the problem separation technique. And the problem separation technique, which I discuss in my book, Three Minute Therapy, uh, and on my website, threeminutetherapy.com, uh, the problem separation technique says, uh, when you uh, face a problem, start by separating the practical problem from the emotional problem. For example, if uh, I have studying math to do, the practical problem might be that I could use some math tutoring because I'm not very good at math. And the emotional problem could be I get very anxious when I study math. So unless you address both separately, you're not going to be as effective in doing well on your math test. So uh, look for the emotional problem. Do you have anxiety, depression, anger, guilt? Uh, any of those and address those first and then look at the practical problem like the skills training or as he says, uh, be healthy uh, in the various ways to be healthy, those kinds of things. So uh, I think that's important and he doesn't differentiate between the two. The other is he doesn't mention a very, very important thing with his principles and that is the importance of practice. In order to get good at these things, that he recommends. It means practicing over and over again, trying not to be perfectionistic or look for guarantees or certainty in the solutions, but practice. And the more you practice his principles, the better you'll get at it. So um, if uh, I could speak with him, and I don't think he's still alive, but if I could speak with him, I'd strongly suggest that he add the problem separation technique, separate the 
emotional from the practical and use REBT, rational emotive behavior therapy on the emotional problems. And then once you uh, disabuse yourself of those, you can think more clearly about implementing the uh, practical solutions. And then again, the importance of practice. And I always emphasize that to my clients, writing out three minute exercises. And you could look at our YouTubes on three minute exercises, the A, B, C, D, E, F, in order to practice a new way of thinking and uprooting your musts and shoulds and uh, acting on your preferences. So that was my last word. Do you have a last word, Kevin? Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. He, he doesn't seem to address the emotional aspect of it at all, but that's probably, that seems to me because he's focused on the uh, practical here. But it is true that we're not able to make any headway. We're not very, usually not very much headway if we have a lot of unhealthy negative emotion and while we're working on our problems. In fact, uh, we'll, we're probably going to make things worse. Yes, yes. And my last word is thanking you, Kevin. That's Kevin Benbow, REBT therapist who joins me every week in these three-minute therapy podcasts. And thanking Chris Rossini, the man in the wings, the our technical person who, uh, without his cooperation, these podcasts wouldn't happen. So thank you so much, Chris Rossini, for that. And um, practice uprooting your musts and shoulds and working on implementing your preferences to stay on the rational side of life.